Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. All right, we're going to move into our next segment, which is in the trenches, where we give real world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application for anyone to digest and put into action. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of really good examples based on some of our early discussions. All right. So our first in the trenches question, I am having a hard time in team meetings getting anyone to listen to me, let alone getting what I need. What am I doing wrong? I love this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've all been there. And um, <laughs> and in this is where somebody kind of told to me very early on in my career about not worrying about looking good so much and just worrying about being good. Mm-hmm. And that and, and what that translated to for me is that we you know we get so wrapped up in making sure when we get into these situations that we look smart, that we say something smart, that we behave you know smart, so we make that impression, but we forget to spend the time understanding the key dynamics in the room. So we can actually best understand how to move ourselves towards our objectives. And this is really, really important because meetings are actually a really good place for this. But only if you observe first and you speak second, which is more about being good versus looking good. And because this is where you're going to actually find instead of what you need, you know, try to get what you need, you figure out how you're going to get it. And that's the only really big place you're going to get that because that's where the dynamics really come to the forefront. So when you're in these meetings, you need to take note of who are the decision makers, who are the stakeholders and influencers, and you need to note that they're not necessarily the name leader. The name leader may not be any of these. They may just be a facilitator for for all intents and purposes. And you really want to look for how decisions are getting made. Is there a prominent voice that is influencing the conversation? Who has the ear of the decision maker? Who do they trust? And then probably one of the most big indicators is who is getting the money? <laughs> Follow the money. The Follow the money. Follow the money. <laughs> and, then what, and then the other part of this is really just understanding then what is the motivation of the stakeholders? And the stakeholders are the people who are going to benefit the most from what is going on, okay? And if your objectives need to align with what is essential to them in their plan. If you're trying to operate outside of what is actually important to the stakeholders, it's going to be very, very hard for you to get what you need. Now, understanding these dynamics is really the key of getting yourself into the conversations. And remember that a lot of these dynamics are happening outside the meeting. The meeting is just the stage for this. So it's you can you can get a really good picture of what's happening in the meeting, but you're going to have to be doing your homework and doing your research outside as well. You know, if I could add to this, um, and I, I want to I start by saying this. To, here's the truth. Two things will be the death of us all. Number one. <laughs> Meetings. Death. <laughs> can we agree to that? Number one is death. Yeah, yes. number one's death. Okay. Yes. And then number two is meetings. Yes, April, yeah. you're exactly right. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to preempt. You blew the punchline. No, uh, but yeah, we, I think we can all agree with that. So, but why? why? Why do we all agree with that? You know, I, I wrote that in an article once. I got like 10 zillion views. I think it's because so many people view the two things as interchangeable, death and meetings. And, you know, <laughs> what? why is that? Now, all kidding aside, and, you know, the research shows us because, 
depending on the piece of research you tap into, I should say, anywhere between 60 to 80% of all meetings are seen as completely a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and it happens because, you know, especially leaders, you know, the second part of the your um, uh, listener's question, they don't get what they need from the meetings. So let me share one really super power tip, especially for leaders of an organization, to help them get what they need from the meeting. You guys kind of focused on you know, how to get heard mm -hmm. and to be in the meeting. Great. I want to focus on the getting what you need from the meeting. And I found this to be incredibly powerful. End every meeting with a magic five-word sentence. Every meeting. Ask this. Who'll do what by when? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here's what that forces. And if you get into a rhythm of always asking that, everybody knows it's coming. So when you ask who's going to do what, guess what? Everybody pays more attention during the meeting because they know they might get assigned with a task and they better know what it is they're <laughs> supposed to do to be able to carry it out. When you say, you know, you're going to say who will do what, you know, you have to drive to conclusions of the meeting. How many times have you been in a meeting? And at the end of the meeting, you realize we haven't even finished discussion and arguing enough to decide what it is we're going to do next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you ask that question and you know it's coming, you're going to try to preempt it by getting to a more conclusive outcome. Then, of course, the by when part of that question, who will do what by when, that just is good old fashioned accountability, mm -hmm. right? If you put a date and a gate to it and you say it in front of other people, you're going to be far more likely to get accountability and you get what you need out of meetings. Boom. Five words. That was a bonus. Free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will say two things to this. One is I can't remember a more freeing moment in my entire career than when I did leave the agency world and stopped having 40 to 45 hours worth of meetings a week. I almost didn't know what to do with my time. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was so giddy. Um, but on the other side of this, the point of this one is I think if you can become the person to effectively manage meetings, you can put yourself in a really good position. Because yeah. as you were talking, Scott, I was picturing different people at different points in my career who were just the masters of meetings. And they would do exactly what you said, which is assign roles, make sure people were accountable, all of those things. But they ran the meeting with intention and purpose. So people were awake. They were willing willing to participate. They came prepared and they left knowing what their marching orders were. And the meeting was used for its purpose versus I feel like we're getting a little bit on a tangent and soapbox about meetings in general, but so many of them are not planned effectively. They're just thrown on the calendar. It's like, well, I don't know what to do with this, so I'm going to schedule a meeting. And therefore, we end up in these types of situations. Right on. Yeah. My favorite role is when we actually got into a real discussion the person who's running to me and be like, why don't you guys take that offline? I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to get this done now. I don't want to take it offline. Can we parking lot that? Can we parking yeah. lot that? Yeah, and you're left saying like, I think I want to go watch parking lots as an attendant instead of do this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we're finally getting somewhere and we're going to take it offline. <laughs> right. Oh, man. All right. Our next end of trenches question you mentioned being a subject matter expert, but isn't it better to be broad rather than deep as a leader? And it actually is true that once you reach a certain level, you are becoming more of a generalist. But every successful leader has made their way based on being a subject matter expert. 
That's because you actually need to create that value that we talked about, which creates brand love for yourself, and that can only be done if you can differentiate from others. Now, as we mentioned, there's many different levels of subject matter expertise, and we talked about some of the more softer ones versus more than some of the ones that are more tangible. But just as an example, like Bill Gates, he started as a tech whiz. I mean, eventually he became you know the great magnet he is now, but he started as a tech whiz. Sarah Blakely of Spanx credits her sales grit to her success. And Tony Robbins, he understands how to get people unstuck. That's really like the foundation of like what he has built his whole business around, right? So I know, Scott, you have an excellent way of probing for this because you used it on me and I use it on others now. <laughs> she and uses I, and it I, all the time. Yeah, and I don't give you credit at all for it. <laughs> I don't it. care. I don't care. <laughs> My do. gift to you. <laughs> I do. I actually do. I actually do say, like, uh, this was the first question that my my business coach asked me when I was trying to figure this out. So um, we, we, we talk we a little bit about that. We will thunder this yeah. time. We'll let you do it. No, that's okay. And the first question is, can we agree to terms of payment? Because, you know, I want to be – no, that's not the <laughs> – that's that's not the that's not the first question I ask at all. No, no, uh, I you know, hey, look, I like to ask. You know, when people are like, yeah, but okay, what is my subject matter expertise? You just think about this: if you lost your job tomorrow, what could you sell? Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden, wow, I didn't have my job and I have to like live, I have to pay my mortgage, I have to be able to eat. What could you sell? I promise you, there's something that you can be able to sell. And sometimes, you know, Anne and April, people get hung up in. Okay, but you know what I could sell? It has to be earth shattering, and it's the first time it's ever been heard on the planet. And you know, I, and I draw a lesson from an editor um, at um, my first publishing house who taught me a really important lesson. Who he told me that you know, look, if you want to get a book published, too many people think that they have to you know write the next you know like the a Malcolm Gladwell type book with something so mind bending mm-hmm. that nobody has thought of it before. And you know, I entered. The, 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 you know, the world of authorship thinking I had to create first to the world insights and things that nobody had ever heard before. And, you know, when they asked me to write the book proposal, you know, name other books like yours. Of course, I wrote that, you know, none. This is going to be unique. And my editor said, that's a mistake, dude. What we're looking for is for you to say something like, no, there's actually like 15 books on the category. Uh, that I want to write about because it shows you there's a market for it. Mm-hmm. What we're looking for is your unique spin and your unique take on an existing school of expertise. And I apply that to, you know, to other people as well to get them to understand that, you know, you do have something that you can sell. You do have expertise. It doesn't have to be earth shattering, profound. No one's ever heard it before. It doesn't have to be unique to the world. It just has to be unique to you, to your take and your spin on it. I promise you it's there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love this question, and obviously Anne told me one of the first times we ever met, too, so another testament to you, Scott, about if I Mm -hmm. lost my job, what could I sell tomorrow? But I feel like it's a good one because it puts you in a frame of reference to really focus on and make a decision quickly about what that thing would be. It gives almost like an urgency of, all right, if I had to pick one thing and, and bet my literally my well-being on it, what would that thing be? And I think it's a good way to position this and also to speak more directly to the importance of being a subject matter expert through your unique personality. Because like you just said, there aren't that many mind-shattering brand new ideas out there anymore. And so 
I feel like to strive to invent something that's never been invented is a whole lot bigger of a challenge than to say, you know what, I'm really passionate about this. And I've been researching, learning about this, doing this, putting it into practice, trying these things all these all these years. And now I feel like I have a unique perspective that I can give back to others the same way I got a unique perspective from a variety of people when I started to build my own point of view. There you go. And you're all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is a really, really, really important point because we do hear that a lot. We hear like, well, I don't. I, it's not anything different than what everybody yeah. else isn't saying. But it's like, yeah, well, that might be true, but your take on it could be a, a different take that gets somebody else to hear it differently, right? So my experience, you know, with P and G, and April's experience with the agency, though we could all be both be talking brand strategy. Depending on who we're talking to and based on the experiences we're using and based on the um, the examples we have and the brands we've worked on, people hear that differently, yes. right? So it, there's a gazillion people who talk brand strategy. And if only one person talked brand strategy, you wouldn't have that diversity of thought that allows people to hear it differently, to apply it differently, to see how examples or uh, experiences and failures and successes, how all those translate into something that they can then apply to their own business. And it's not and one person can't be that for everybody. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.